The Fly Fishing 97 podcast is powered by theflycrate.com, an online fly shop. Join the Quarterly Fly Club today, your source for all things fly fishing. And wait for it films. For action-packed fly fishing videos and camera-related content, check out Wait For It Films on YouTube or at www.thewaitcreativeco.com. And Broken Tippet Fly Company. Blog and fishing apparel and accessories. Check them out online at brokentippet.com. You, you, you are listening. You are listening. You are listening to the Fly Fishing '97 podcast. Fly fishing to me was like back then was just kind of like a a release, kind of a bring back to reality kind of thing. Because I grew up as a professional mountain bike rider. I turned pro when I was 15. Hmm. Got my first contract, and I traveled the world, wow. competing in slope style competitions. And in 2010, I ranked eighth in the world and then sixth. And I got a couple of bronzes for Canada in like crankwork slope styles and everything. So wow. I, I got to admit, I was, I was taking a look at your Instagram and I, I assumed it was you, but I, I, that's, I was going to go down that road. I'm like, <laughs> man, you're doing some crazy stuff. <laughs> like I'm Spinning the bike around you in midair. And I'm just like going, uh, man, <laughs> fly, fly fishing probably is a little little tamer for you oh yeah it's a lot tamer i uh really started to hone into it when i blew my knee out for the first time oh, sure. i was with my uh mountain bike team in hawaii for six weeks over the winter training and we were doing a film down royal summit hill which when you're there in oahu standing up at the top of royal summit hill beside these mansions that line the street the road kind of fades away and you just see the center line of the pavement drop all you see floating in the middle of the the sea is the Pearl Harbor. Wow. And just lined with palm trees and stuff. So it was a perfect exit shot for this film. And we were following the truck of doing about 65 kilometers an hour. And I was manualing on my back tire, got a bit of a speed wobble and put my leg out for balance while my tread on my shoe caught the pavement and just torqued my knee way out and ended up blowing pretty much everything inside there. Oh man, what what year was that, Casey? That was in twenty fourteen. Or maybe the beginning of twenty fifteen. Yeah. Yeah, in so, February. So then what? So then I came home after the trip I got spent a couple of days on the beach all knee swollen, couldn't even walk. And then flew home, had surgery a year later, basically just worked and rehabbed and then got back to the world tour and I just, you know, wasn't feeling it. Wasn't the passion wasn't really there anymore, especially after like, cause like when you get injured in extreme sports and you have sponsors and stuff, as soon as you're injured, they kind of like reevaluate, evaluate you instantly. And I lost a lot, like a lot of sponsorships, a lot of salary, travel budget, all that thing. So trying to make my way back into it was pretty tough. Hmm. And so, and when I went out, I went and did a few more competitions and I rode good. I loved the whole riding part and I never backed down one bit for any trick or anything. But it was just, you know, it just wasn't there in my heart. And now I just would come home and I'd just go fishing. Well, we're going to talk all things Red Bull, Rampage, Extreme Sports, and Fly Fishing. You think those don't go together? Well, guess again. We've got Casey Groves on the line uh, from Interior Fly Fishing Company. He is the co-owner. We're going to talk all things fins and flies and just life in general. First off, I want to thank the top 10 cities for listening uh, this week. Um, thanks to the, the folks in Columbus, Ohio in the number one slot, followed by Parrish, Louisiana, then Penticton, B.C., Huntington Beach, California is next, followed by Kingsport, Tennessee, Torquay, England, West Kelowna, B.C., Vancouver, British Columbia, Denver, Colorado, and Omaha, Nebraska. We've got Casey coming up for you next. The Fly Fishing 97 podcast is brought to you by The Fly Crate. The Fly Crate is an online fly shop where you can save more on flies and gear. Shop between hundreds of unique flies and join the quarterly fly club for hand-picked fly assortments for each season. Exclusively for our podcast listeners, you can save an additional 10% on The Fly Crate by using the code FLYFISH97. Go to theflycrate.com and use the code FLYFISH97 at checkout to save 10%.
Super happy you chose to join us for the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. We have got on the line tonight somebody that's super passionate in the fly fishing space. We've got Casey Groves, uh, one of the owners out of Interior Fly Fishing Co., uh, the Interior British Columbia, Canada. And these guys are fishing some real fishy waters, some 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 famous waters, if you will, in the uh, Region 8, Region 3 area, the Interior British Columbia. There's a lot of big fish in that neck of the woods. Casey Thanks for coming on the podcast today. I appreciate it. Hey, Mark. Thanks for having me. I've been looking forward to this. Well, me too, man, because I want to find out what you guys have been up to. Now, I was looking, I went online and I'm looking at, at the guides that are working with you guys. And I'm going, wait a minute. It's like a list of who's been on the show for a second. I think Brendan Lund was like our first uh, guest, number one, uh, right off the top. And then I know you've got yeah, Jordan Ulrich we've had on probably two or three times. I'm so glad we finally got you. Why don't you tell us what you've been up to uh, with Interior uh, Fly Fishing Company and, and, and how you guys came to kind of uh, be the new owners? Well, not so new now, but uh, talk to me. How, how are things going for you guys? It's been going really good. And yeah, to talk about the roster, like who our guides are, we have some of like the top guides on still waters out here in our area. And Brendan and cam and wyatt and all those guys and jason they're just so knowledgeable and they know everything i'm way too humbled to have them on our team and be with us you have got a super super deep roster like um yeah you mentioned cameron um i i just i started going down scrolling down i didn't realize Wyatt was working with you too yep we got wyatt on there there's a lot of guys that want to do it but they're also working other jobs so we try to fill them in when they can yeah good stuff and yeah we got wyatt we got jason we got cam Coates, cameron pie brennan lund we got jordan myself and brett and we have a bunch of little backup guys that are up and comers that want to get out and guide yeah so it's been it's pretty cool well i mean you've got a big region so i'd assume when people start calling you up and saying hey i want to be in the salmon arm area i want to be in the camloops area i want to be in the Okanagan, I mean, you, you can probably, then you've got a roster of people you can pull and kind of put on those spots, I would imagine. Absolutely. That's a big part of why we we're super excited to have the Kamloops boys stay on with us and everything. I've knew them before personally, and then taking over the business, they uh, was really happy to stay, that they wanted to stay on and keep going because we, like, there's a few lakes out there that I know very well, but those guys know it and they fish it every single weekend. When you can get on the water with them, it's just incredible. Yeah, good stuff. So what I always like to start on the showcase, you kind of take it back to your roots, how you came to kind of get into fly fishing and, and your story behind the story. So how, how did things start for you in the fly fishing space? For me, the first time I ever casted a fly rod, I was in grade nine. And we I was camping with my friends up at Brown Lake, up McCullough area in Kelowna. Oh, I know it. And we were standing at on the dam, and I remember my I had a just normal like super tackle spin rod, and my friend Jarvis he was just casting his fly rod, and I just looked, kept watching him, and he was hooking way more fish than I was. Didn't matter what lure I put on, Jarvis was hooking on with any bug he tossed on. So I was like, "You you need to teach me that." And he was really outdoorsy, his whole family and everything, and always looked up to that. And so he took me under his wing, taught me how to cast. I got my first fly rod. I believe it was like a. A super fly, I think the company is, or yeah. a Canadian tire brand. Yeah. A combo kit. Yeah. And I learned how to fly fish off that dam at Brown Lake hmm. for two summers until I kind of got the knack of it. That's a nice spot to cast, too. You got lots of space. Exactly. You definitely <laughs> learned how to use your back cast and keep it out of the weeds in front of you. It's amazing how many people I talked to started on a football field or baseball diamond, just, uh, <laughs> you know, false casting where there's no chance of hitting anything. Exactly. Good stuff. So, was, sorry, go ahead. It was, it was fly fishing to me was like back then was just kind of like a, a release kind of a bring back to reality kind of thing. Cause I grew up as a professional mountain bike rider. I turned pro when I was 15, hmm. got my first contract and I traveled the world. Wow. competing in slope style competitions and in 2010 i ranked eighth in the world and then sixth and i got a couple of bronzes for canada in like crankwork slope styles and everything so wow. 
I, I gotta admit, ride. I was I was taking a look at your Instagram, and I I assumed it was you, but I, I that's I was gonna go down that road. I'm like, <laughs> man, you're doing some crazy stuff, <laughs> like I'm spinning the bike around you in midair, and I'm just like going, uh, man, <laughs> fly, fly fishing probably is a little little tamer for you. Oh yeah, it's a lot tamer. I uh, really started to hone into it when I blew my knee out for the first time. Oh, sure. I was with my uh, mountain bike team in Hawaii for six weeks over the winter training, and we were doing a film down Royal Summit Hill. Which, when you're there in Oahu, standing up at the top of Royal Summit Hill beside these mansions that line the street, the road kind of fades away, and you just see the center line of the pavement drop, and all you see floating in the middle of the, the sea is the Pearl Harbor. Wow. And just lined with palm trees and stuff. So it was a perfect exit shot for this film. And we were following the truck of doing about 65 kilometers an hour. And I was manually on my back tire, got a bit of a speed wobble and put my leg out for balance while my tread on my shoe caught the pavement and just torqued my knee way out and ended up blowing pretty much everything inside there. Oh, man. What, what year was that, Casey? That was in 2014. Or maybe the beginning of 2015. Yeah. Yeah, in February. So, so then what? So then I came home. After the trip, I got spent a couple of days on the beach, all knee swollen, couldn't even walk. And then flew home, had surgery a year later, basically just worked and rehabbed, and then got back to the world tour. And I just, you know, wasn't feeling it. Wasn't The passion wasn't really there anymore. Especially after, like, because, like, when you get injured in extreme sports and you have sponsors and stuff, as soon as you're injured, they kind of like reevaluate evaluate you instantly. And I lost a lot, like, a lot of sponsorships, a lot of salary, travel budget, all that thing. So trying to make my way back into it was pretty tough. Hmm. And so, and when I went out, I went and did a few more competitions and I rode good. I loved the whole riding part and I never backed down one bit for any trick or anything. But it was just, you know, it just wasn't there in my heart. And now I just would come home and, I'd just go fishing. Just so, went back to my roots. So Casey, I, I gotta be honest with you, man. I know nothing about that world. So I, I want to dig into it a little bit. So were you, were you racing and doing freestyle type stuff? Like I always kind of think of like, a, I'm going kind of the skiing world here in my mind for some reason, but, um, were you racing or, no. or strictly kind of aerial kind of stuff? More aerial stuff, like freestyle, like big freestyle. jumps, big okay. drops big mountain lines in Utah. I did Red Bull Rampage multiple years where you're coming down 100-foot ridge lines where it's just drop You have a six-inch wide ridge to ride down where it's like 100-foot cliffs on either side of you. Wow. Like just absolutely terrifying stuff. I remember at Rampage, I was sitting up at the top before my qualifying run before finals. And like just I nervously puked in my helmet having so many butterflies <laughs> and thinking about it. It's gnarly stuff. And you look it up, it's like, holy cow. And like, yeah, it grew up watching it like yeah oh, i'll do that i can do that just like most guys and then you get out there and you're like wow this stuff is 10 times steeper 10 times bigger this is going to be insane how old would you be right now i'm 30 now okay so when you're doing this did it help being younger and kind of no fear and uh you know never been burnt seriously in a serious accident does do you think that kind of helps the mindset like i always wonder like the, what the mindset is of people that do some of those extreme sports absolutely like when when you're young and you start off and you're just continuing like especially after high school i played all sports i could so you're super athletic and you just go 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 if you get hit and you go down you can bounce right back up but now like after a few injuries and especially with the knees those those are critical injuries to athletes if something happens you don't rehab them right or in my case, you blow it again a year and a half later, and then you blow it again, yeah. and that surgery goes horrible, and they end up breaking other stuff, which we'll get into. But yeah, you just kind of—I don't know—you get a you definitely growing up and getting older, you definitely get a different mindset to where it's like, oh, I can do that. I'm gonna do this. It's like, wait a minute, let me think <laughs> about this. You know, like yeah. I know I can do it. Hey man, it's whether should I do it? You'll be fifty and still thinking <laughs> I can do this. Yeah, that that's the question. Should I do exactly? This? Yeah. That is me too. That's funny. So, um, all right. How how's the shoulder? So, if you're out there throwing loops, um, any issues in casting? Uh, they're pretty good. My shoulders are pretty good. I did. I 
torn my rotator cuff in my right shoulder about six times and three times in my left. So I have this bit of this click in a full rotation, like if you're stretching your shoulder. But with casting, you know, you, I always keep my elbow down by my side and yeah. raise it when I have to when I'm reaching for long casts or something. But no, it's good. Good, good. And being in a boat with my knees is so much nicer. So listen, <laughs> we're we're going to transition into your, your business and kind of yep. your, your new passion. Um, well, not so new, but... First off, I want to take a little bit of time to get to know you off the water, kind of off the track. You ready for a few questions about your day to day? Okay, man, let's talk tunes. So when you're when you're headed to your favorite stretch of water, uh, what is playing in the truck on the stereo? A lot of times, old '90s country, or I'll play some like pump up tunes. I have a few from Five Finger Death Punch, some rock. I like to listen to everything, so you really never know what's going to get me amped in the morning. <laughs> if you're guiding. How does that stereo control go? <laughs> I'm just I'm, curious. I'm curious. <laughs> if I'm guiding, it depends if there's a client in my truck with me or not. A lot right. of times if there's if they're with me, we we're just talking the whole time. Yeah. But if not, I would have to say hmm. Last year, last trip I did, I remember I was listening to Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg and stuff. <laughs> Same way as the Super Bowl. It hasn't changed. That's funny. Um Let's talk patterns. So one go-to fly pattern. Like uh, if you're out there in your Marlin or you're out there on your John boat, whatever you happen to be fishing out of on the still, what's one pattern that you reach for more often than, than you don't? I'm using a zonker tail leech. Ooh. Yeah, on a jig jig hook with jig bead. What color? Mm, probably the most go-to to start off. My favorite color would be wine. But if I'm going to a new lake, new place, don't know anything about it, I'm going a uh, blood leech. So black, black yeah. with red and a uh, red head, red bead. Are you cast and stripping? Or are you hanging under an indie? What are you doing there? If I'm solo by myself, I'll hang one under an indie and not balanced. For some reason, I have more luck without balanced leeches. Cool. So I'll hang one ba- jig head balanced under an indie, and the other one I'll strip. It's Same funny. Leech. I, I, I like hearing that. I, I For some reason, I think it's easier to hook up to when you're hanging vertical. I don't know why. I, I struggle. I do fish a lot of balance, but, man, it, it is different. The presentation you get from a jig leech, like on a jig hook with a nice tungsten jig bead, when you, if you yeah. like have that indie, you're not like, yeah, it suspends it, which is great, but the movement you can give, if you watch that indie and you, you can just give it, move it, you know your fly is doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. So you know how much move it to give it if you go lightly, just make a little ripple, or if you give it a good skirt across the water. Yeah. Sometimes I'll play it up. I'll go do three little couple-inch strips, like boom, 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 and I'll let it sit. Sometimes I'll literally just grab the rod, do a one- to two-foot pull, like you lift the rod up, skirt, mm-hmm. drag the bobber across the water, put it back in the rod, reel up your slack, and I just do that while I'm stripping and stuff, and it's... Yeah, you're pretty busy on a good day. <laughs> yeah. yeah, good stuff. Um, talk to me about your favorite place to talk fly fishing. Like, I think a lot of us, especially in the winter, you know, we may or may not be on the water much, depending on where we live. But if you had to kind of, you know, pick out a spot when you're not in your waders, where you get your fix? Is it is it social media? Would it be a fly shop? Is it a coffee shop? Where do you, Where do you get your fix when you're not? on the river or on the still is definitely hanging out with the guys at trout waters <laughs> yeah. they're my favorite crew we're all super close and it's just a good time i usually stop in there a couple times a week after work because it's on my way home and I'll, i'm off at five they close at five thirty, so i'll go in for the end day and just chat with everyone yeah well they close up it's definitely the best place this is very timely we just had bob on last literally last night um, that's awesome yeah that's great and i i'm with you too i'm i'm in there as often as i can but i'm I'm down in Penn, so it's a little bit of a drive but uh, yep. s- same thing man it's uh just a bunch of good guys and you can really find out what the heck's going on uh, exactly you know, good stuff how how important is that with you you know that networking like when you're guiding people are you know they want to get on to fish. They want to get on to big fish. They want to get on to lots of whatever they happen to be looking for. It's so important that you need, you know, where to go 
Um, talk to me about that, that networking for you. Is that, is that a big part of the package? Absolutely. One thing for me is like, we kind of want to change like, yeah, there's always people want numbers and numbers, but that's one thing you can never guarantee someone. So we make that known. Like you can hit a good hatch where you're having 50 to hundred fish a day in May, or you could be having a hatch where there's, there's a hatch, but the fish ain't biting anything you do. The fish do not want to bite. So that's, you're never guaranteed to get really extreme number, like high numbers Mm -hmm. when it happens. It's amazing. But one thing that we like to push and that everyone has been experiencing our first year, last year guiding, everyone just wanted the experience. They wanted to get out. I believe it was definitely due to a lot of people being cooped up COVID everything. They just wanted to get out, relax on the water. Majority 60% of the trips I did the clients were mad at me if I put two rods in front of them because they wanted me to fish with them. They just wanted a friend out there. They wanted to get on the water, <laughs> experience it, learn some knowledge about it, why we're anchoring up where we are, all that kind of stuff. Right. Like there wasn't, I'm sure it'll happen. There wasn't any number of guys that wanted to, that came with us. It was all completely new people to it or people that just want, need to learn a few more things or how to find the fish. Like we just want to educate everyone and everything. Yeah, if we can help you, we're gonna do it. And if you want to have a good banger day, where there's a big hatch, well, then you're gonna definitely gonna have to pay and come in for uh, May and June. <laughs> well, there's there's no better way. And and let's face it, we've seen some immense growth in the fly fishing space the last few years. And I think oh yes, it's so important to get out there with a guide that knows how to get you onto fish because you can learn. The learning curve is so much steeper than if you're just kind of looking on YouTube and trying to figure it out. Yes, absolutely. Like you, that's we all do it. Like get stoked before fishing. So head on to YouTube, watch Sport Fishing on the Fly or any of our favorite channels. Yeah. And you just, but it's so different. You get to the water next day, and it's a whole different picture. It's like now you have to find where you're going, not just how to tie your leader a certain way or do this or that. Why are you anchoring up on this spot? Like, why are the fish coming here? Why do you think the fish are going to come? There's so many questions. Mm-hmm. that go through your head when you're out on the water especially when there's super avid anglers like ourselves and you're out there you're like you want to progress every time you go out so it's not just like you're going out sitting there in the sun ke- having a bunch of beers and not catching anything you're going out you're thinking like okay last time i went here i went to the spot where you would there was a lot of bugs there was this you i figured the fish would be coming this way but it just wasn't happening. It frustrated me, yada, yada. So then you go and you just, I always say, just completely erase that and start noob and go to the different side of the lake. And for me, the biggest thing was having, uh, I use Google Maps a lot, just to watch show lines mm-hmm. and everything, just to see how they go and they curve out and how the points are very key. All that stuff. Learning is huge. Well, and, and it, especially when we're newer, it's such a steep learning curve and i i don't we talk about this on the show a lot for me that's why i love it you're always yep. we're always learning doesn't matter how long you've been doing it 10 years or, or 80 years there's still stuff to learn which to me that's there's not you know a, there's a lot of things that you can do job wise or hobby wise that you kind of figure out fairly quickly but <laughs> the thing i love about fly fish is you got entomology you got tying you got casting you got reading lakes, reading water, uh, different strains. It's just elevation. There's so many things to take in. Absolutely. That's one thing that absolutely grabs me and pulls me into it is that it's endless. And you can always keep learning as a whole. We're all learning. We don't know everything. Heck, you can't even predict when the fish are going to bite what time perfectly every time. Like, you never know. It's always different. There's a rough time, like, growing up, you know, with hearing your grandpa talk fishing, it was mornings and evenings and that's when you go well sometimes you go out there and nothing happens in the morning nothing happens till 11 12 o'clock yeah midday and then boom it's on for a few hours and it slows and picks up and i find those those little kind of busy spells really interesting that's when i kind of start going okay what's going on with the solar tables what's the water temp it's like exactly why you know what i mean (laughs) you're sitting there for for two hours staring at an indie nothing's happening next thing you know you can't you can't keep it you know in sight yeah 100 percent. a lot of times i've been wondering even though there's small lakes but there's a lot of natural springs that run into them i'm not no biologist or i don't know anything about 
what how the currents work and everything. But when I go swimming in these mountain lakes and you get down a couple feet to 30 feet, you can feel the different temperature layers as you swim down. And that's one thing that's been playing in my mind too is a lot of these fish, they like a certain temperature, whether it be warmer come the spring or it be colder as the summer goes on and everything. Like if you can find those layers and yeah. get into the right one, then you're going to be on them. Yeah. Food's going to be passing through from the, on its way up from the bottom no matter what. But if you can find that water column where the fish are at, then you're going to have a good day. How big of a role do, uh, you know, fish finders, depth sounders play in, in your day-to-day? Huge. Mostly water temp. That's the first thing I like to know when I get on the water is what is sur- surface temp. And you stick your arm down in there a couple of feet into the water, it drops quickly. So you don't really have to worry. That's why we go off the surface because that's the only thing where you can really judge. But yeah. the biggest thing was that I used um, was that uh, mapping feature like the GPS mapping feature on my Hummingbird. I have a Helix 7. And so when I click on auto chart, I can turn it on. I can unlock. Like the whole lake starts as like an outline. And as I drive around, it unlocks every nook and cranny and drop and Hmm. gives me integrations of how steep it is if the lines are closer together or farther apart is steep and less steep. And it's a lot of that stuff really turned it on for me because yeah, you know where everyone's fishing. Like there's a shoal, you can see the drop off, or you see your feet uh, on your uh, fish finder. You see the drop go from like four feet to eight feet to twelve feet, and so on. But if you can find these kind of little nooks and crannies in those shoal lines, like little bowls in them or holes or anything, yeah. I always found those are the best anchor up on. Oh yeah. A couple of years ago, there's this one shoal out there that goes straight for a long time. It's 19 feet. And then there was this little, I was going over and I bet you it was about 10 feet long by four feet deep. This little inlet, little cut, almost like a cul-de-sac in the shoal line. Yeah. And it just had a, a two foot drop difference in it. And I sat right down on that thing and I caught some of the biggest fish I've ever caught in my life back to back over 30 inches, just sitting there. And I rod just nonstop real screaming. Yeah, you know, it's funny you said that. I, I think of, uh, and this is a pay lake, but I'm sure you're on it quite a bit, uh, Corbett. Um, I think of uh, White Lake. You know, you have these little holes, like you say, kind of in the marl, and you can actually usually see the fish from afar if you look at it. And if you can, you know, put something on an indie or strip something through there, it's never a bad bad idea. Exactly. I've never been to Corbett. I've, I, you know, living just down the road from it. I've never been there. Oh, man. I want to go. You got to do it. You got to do it. It looks really fun because I watched you. I believe it was, was it yourself that was with Brendan on his show, Real West Coast Fishing? No, no, that was, uh, that was, uh, the fellow from, uh, Fly Fishing Insider podcast, I think. That's what it is. Okay. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. That's all good. Um, yeah, he sold that show to, uh, to maybe that's why i figured it might have been you because i just knew the name change that's about it yeah yeah christian bacassa uh is okay now, but yeah so no but i i was up i up, i go up there when, when i can it's uh it's it's one of it those looks awesome wow there's some big fish we, we yeah just, um we, we caught three fish over nine pounds in one day last year and that was uh for me like holy Anyway. Yeah, and that's like forty minutes from the city. Yeah, exactly. It's especially that's where awesome. where you're at. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. Um, but uh, I want to get back to to. I got a couple more questions for you as far as yep. your day to day, man. So fill in the blank for me, Casey. When when you're not fly fishing, what do you what are you usually doing? Well, I work nine to five, like a normal person as well. Okay. I work at Capit in Kelowna. I'm an automotive technician. So I've been doing that for six years. I was in there uh, last week. So you're in the you're in the back. Yeah. Okay. Cool. That, yeah, I'm that, the lead tech in the back. Man, that store's like a candy store. It's like <laughs> it I, drains people's pockets. That's oh, for sure. Man, <laughs> I was looking at those tents you guys have that go up on top of your uh, so boat nice. racks. Yep. You just hit a button and they pop up, or you just unlatch mm-hmm. them. Man. How are those, are those selling good for you right now? It's nonstop. The amount of overland vehicles, Toyota, Tacomas and stuff we're building right now is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. How long have you been there? I've been there for, this is my sixth year now. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. That's an amazing shop. Um, so you're working, uh, what about time? You spend a lot of time at the time vent? 
Oh then, yeah. Every evening I'll come home from work and then just get relaxed and stuff. And usually I just go right down to the laptop. I kind of have a little kitty corner, uh, or a little L desk going on for my tying stuff on my work laptop. So I just go back and forth, filling my boxes, filling friend orders and stuff. And yeah, I always, I always like to be at the vice this time of year. It gets me, keeps me focused, keeps me ready for the spring and fill that box with new patterns and old ones. Lots of old ones. I just realized something, man. There's like a Bermuda Triangle up there for my wallet, and it kind of goes between where you work and Trout Waters, right? It's like, <laughs> yeah. If I can just stay away from those couple spots. <laughs> yep, <laughs> that's the my issue too. It's like I leave, I'm at work. I'm like, oh, I should probably get this for my truck. Okay, I'll get this, and then driving home, and I'm like, ah, I should probably go to Trout and hop in there and go grab some more materials or something. Yeah, that's that's yeah, awesome. A- well, one helps the other, right? You're getting, Absolutely. Uh, you're getting off road, and you're getting. What are you driving for? I always like to ask guides this question because you know you spend a lot of time in the backcountry. Um, yep. It's important you have something reliable that's going to get you and clients on fish. What do you like to drive back there? For me, growing up, I've had them all. I'm now a GMC guy. I got a 2015 Sierra. And I absolutely love it. It's been fantastic. The fuel economy is great, especially for towing the boat. And for me, like I'll wake up and have a guy have to guide in Kamloops. If I can't go stay at our or Brett's family's cabin at Roast, then I'll wake up from Kelowna super early, three in the morning. Yeah. Drive out to Kamloops to guide. And then I'll drive home. So I definitely needed something reliable. So yeah, I got a new twenty fifteen. Nice. Uh, which d- has been nice. Diesel or gas? Gas. Yeah. Yeah. Although I'm wishing I went D de- like oh, I I'd love a, one of the little diesels. Yeah. Eventually. What have you got? You put a canopy on that, no canopy, boat rack. What what's your what's your dream setup? Or you probably got, have it. My setup right now I got a low pro tonic cover, the roll up soft cover one. Yeah. I really like those. I'm not like a too big of a fan of the hard folding ones. They take up a lot of box room and they're just I'm just not a fan. I like the roll-up style. My preferred one would be the aluminum roll-up cover, mm-hmm. as then someone can't just walk up with a knife and slice it open and get in. Right. But the rolling one's good because I can literally roll up my, put my Marlin fully equipped, ready to go, seats on, everything, slide it into my box. It hangs only a couple inches over my tailgate when, when dropped down. And the tonneau cover, with all my gear in the boat, the tonneau cover can roll right over top of it and click shut and keep everything dry. It's funny, you know, I used to work at a fly shop. My old boss used to say, um, having that perfect vehicle, it's like there's no such thing as a perfect vehicle for every situation. You know what I mean? Like, like we build it how we want it. And that's what I love about Capit. That's what I love about any of those kind of aftermarket stores. You can really, especially now, like you look at the accessories you can put on that thing. I I was up when I was up there last week, I was looking at, um, you guys have those, they're like a metal canopy. I don't know. Yep. The RSI smart caps, man. I've been doing those like crazy lately. Well, you pop them open. You got toolboxes. You got, you got everything. Right, and it's bulletproof. We have little kitchen kitchen setups. They look absolutely amazing. Yeah, they're not like a normal fiberglass canopy. I actually have to like box a deep or take them out of the box and build them, wall to wall, roof roof on everything. Wow, they're good. Yeah, they're they're very nice. If I was to get a canopy and afford one of those, I would I would definitely get an RSI. Yeah, they're beautiful for sure. And then they, yeah, they hold seven static weight. I think seven hundred and seventy pounds. Wow, on top. So are you are you pulling your boat on a trailer? or You got it up top. Yeah, I, my boat. Well, I have a couple boats. I got my Marlin SV10. Yeah. For when I'm going to lakes, I can't trailer or anything. But then I bought a new boat last spring. I got a, a G3 1756 with a 40 horse Yamaha on it. Nice. And it's on a nice 21 foot trailer. So. See that's that- nice. It's a new trailer life. That's hanging around near Trout Waters there, right? At that, the old Yamaha shop right next door? <laughs> yeah, this one yeah. <laughs> like, actually hasn't been in there yet. Actually, the new Yamaha store is right beside Capit now. They moved. Oh, man. That's I'm going to take that's, my boat in there. That can't be good new, for uh, you. No, it's not good for me because I could just walk. Well, I was, for my boat this year, for my outboard, I'm going to get go in and have all the filters done, new impeller, all that stuff. Yeah. Just because all this, like, 
the algae blooms in our lakes, everyone thinks that the fish don't like it. Well, our motors don't like it either. <laughs> a lot of stuff can get in there, clog them up. They're not running right, and that yeah. can lead to failure. So general maintenance. What are you running? For, what are you up. running for motors? Nine nine most of the time, or an electric? What do you got going? I got a fifty pound thrust Minkota for when I need my electric, but I and then my motor, my outboard that's bolted to my G three is a forty horse Yamaha with a tiller handle. Okay. Okay. It it goes like stink. Are you guys fishing a bit of bigger water too? Yeah. 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 Not like Okanagan size or shoe swap size. Mm-hmm. Eventually we want to get into that. Brett really wants to get a big boat. Yeah. And do that kind of stuff as well. But just for right now, we're just sticking to the, the, our biggest lakes like Stump and yeah. Yeah. And Roche and those kind of lakes. Yeah. Well, you're naming some names. Those are two of my faves for sure. Um, <clears throat> are you a sports guy? Um, like, so if by that, I mean, if you're pulling for your favorite team, are you hockey, football, basketball, baseball, uh, who are you cheering for in your spare time? What's left for me in the sports world is Canucks. That's about it. Just since I grew up when I liked hockey and stuff before my, my life got busy and I just didn't really yeah. pay attention to too many sports as always the Canucks in hockey. Like right now when the Olympics is on and world juniors and stuff. I'm glued to the TV watching them. Yeah. But aside from that, I'm really not paying attention to them too much, which was one thing's pretty cool that's uh, coming up for us this year. And I don't know if I'm supposed to say anything yet, but we're uh, doing a video. I got called by tr- our friend Trevor Tatarchuk. <laughs> right on. Trevor's last name. You said it we right. We fished a few times in the Caribou the last couple of years, and yeah. uh, he had an opportunity for us. We're joining, and then, yeah, we got a call, and, we're joining Brendan Morrison on the water for an episode or two of Real West Coast Fishing this summer awesome. or this spring. That'd be great. So actually, I was meeting with him on Zoom last night and stuff, and it's just still, after a couple of times, it's still just surreal that you're talking to one of your childhood heroes. Yeah, number seven. Yeah, I loved when him, Bertuzzi, Naslin, Cook, yeah. Cluche, all of them were out there. That was, that was my days. Yeah, yeah, you and me both. There's something that I'm curious about. So from all your years of fly fishing and guiding and spending so much time in the outdoors, if you had to step back and kind of look at why you do this, like what, what does fly fishing bring into your world? Well, growing up, the days where I was five years old, living in the mission area, Clone of the Lower Mission, one of our neighbors had ones in his backyard. And I used to run away. I'm scared the crap out of my mom because I would fish his ponds for the big koi fish he had in there. These were five to thousand dollar koi. <laughs> oh, I boy. used to hook them and catch his little goldfish and stuff. And he was the old Washington State quarterback, or not quarterback, I believe a running back. And he'd won many championships, and we hadn't met him yet. And I met him, and he kept a one of his koi's died one time, and so he kept it for me. And then I came over and. Uh, he gave it to me and we hooked it on my line and ran back home. My mom opened the door and I held up this big koi and she just freaked. So ever since I've been, ever since I've been in diapers, I've been fishing manhole covers on the front street or fishing my neighbor Jerry's pond. So biggest thing for me is just fishing, but I got lost there. It's Where a, we go? You, you're killing me, man. I you, I actually do raise koi, and I'm like, there's no way yeah. <laughs> I could not ever. Little cheese turd, little cheese curd will get them. Oh, that, I'm not looking to get them. <laughs> no, I know. I they was got, when I was. Five. They got it good over there. It's just like they just eat and swim and hang out. Yep, we yeah. had one for a while in our pond that actually survived. The three fire helicopter came down and sucked the water of uh, water out of our pond to spray it on our house. Wow. And the our big fish. He, in there we got him he was like inches big and he grew up to over i think it was like 16 17 inch wow big white gorgeous koi and uh yeah he, when my dad went to check on the house he was there flopping in the mud and he filled wow. the pond up and he lived and we sold the house and he was still in there so you're They're telling amazing. me in that 2003 fire which took a lot of homes they came and yep. took water out of your pond wow yeah, they dipped into a lot of people's backyard pools, ponds, anything to yeah. cool the rooftops and everything from ashes hitting them. Did your house make it? Yep, we were good. Yeah. Thankfully. Yeah, geez, that was, uh, it's been a little, it's been a little crazy the last few years around these parts, but 03 was a bad one. 
Yeah. Yep. Um, so let, let's talk business, man. I, I want to really yep. know what you're up to with Interior Fly Fishing Company. So you guys are, you're guiding in some pretty sweet spots um, between Region 8, Region 3. There's some pretty amazing trophy waters uh, throughout both those regions. Um, talk to me about your season. So if somebody wants to book a trip with you guys, like what's um, in your mind, what's kind of the season we're looking at? This season coming up is we're looking to be pretty busy. Last year, like a first year in it, and last year we you know with COVID and everything, which is one of the reasons we the company, um, there just wasn't much business coming in. There wasn't the marketing done in the areas to get the local business, and so that's what we did right away. And we ended up doing around, I believe, around thirty trips just casually. We just wanted to get our feet wet and figure something out, feel out the fly industry pretty much dial in everything just learn it because it was so new to us because brett and myself were talking with jordan yeah jordan just mentioned us because he was helping us start our own business or plan it anyhow and mentioned that he wanted to uh have a change in path and offered uh interior to us so we decided to take that and with the first year being with all the covid and pandemic we're like okay you know this is a good way to start, we can get our feet wet, figure things out, learn the whole industry, learn how the guiding business works. Mm-hmm. And we like we were pretty lucky to have such a great team with us that came with the company. And we brought in a few more guys that were super supportive and all for it. It's just, it's been, the first year was super fun, but this year, it's already going pretty quick. Well, this, I mean, we're kind of starting to come out of the weeds here, right? I mean, it's like you can feel it coming. Yeah. You know that I got a feeling that uh, 2022 is going to be the first kind of near normal year we've had in a long time. And that means, let's face it, people are going to be traveling. Um, you know, we're, we live in a, a big time yeah. tourist destination. People are going to be wanting to hit the road and, and uh, get some travel plans in, which for me is like, you know, when you live in a in a tourist valley which we do it's it's everything right it's like uh it's like somebody turned the switch off a couple years ago absolutely it's It's crazy this valley it's so busy yeah and uh it's it's gonna get a lot busier too so um have you are you booking up fairly fast for this year is that kind of the way it's shaping up sure having control over it in the earlier months like we just took it over the spring last year yeah and so now yeah it's been pretty exciting Last month has just been every day. There's been inquiries coming in. People on it from uh, the Netherlands, from over in Europe, wanting to come in and fish with us. People in the states are already planning their spring and summer trips, and then you get all the locals that want to get out for a day here and there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's happening quick this year. Yeah, well, it's good, yeah. but it's busy because I'm the one behind the laptop. <laughs> well, I mean, we talk a, a lot of side hustles on this show, but you, I mean, you got a side hustle, but it's more than a side hustle. It's like you got two full-time yeah. jobs, right? Yeah, absolutely. As I'm at work wrenching on stuff on my phone, going off emails, mm. talking to partnerships and other yeah. companies and stuff. And yeah, it's nonstop. Well, I'll tell you what, Casey, I appreciate you taking the time tonight. I know you're a busy guy. Um, I, I want to get into kind of your, paint us a picture of your dream day. So you're out there guiding in either Region 8 or Region 3 in BC um, with a favorite client. Things are shaping up. It's happening just, it's going down just how you want it to go down. What does that look like? You know, are, are you um, throwing dries, indies? Are you anchored up? Walk us through, paint us a picture of your dream day. My perfect day pretty much happened last year where Brett and I headed to Roche. His family owns a cabin at the resort. Even though the resort's closed to the public, we are free to go there as much as we want. So we spent pretty much the whole year there. Um, drive out, have a guide trip on Saturday. And we'll drive out Friday, go pre-fish, see what the fish are doing. We know that lake like the back of our hand. And so we'll find where the fish are and what they're keying in on. And that'll be the first evening. We'll go in, have a nice dinner at the cabin, go back out for eight o'clock bite till dark. And we'll sit out there, either dry, anything you want. It has to be a caddis, a deer hair caddis, or a small nymph in the shallows, either dry fly with like your mono line or have it under an indie. 
with the nymph and you just very slow movements and there's rising fish every it's the most universal and versatile time on a lake is in the late evening when the fish are just in their full comfort zone coming right up into like one two feet of water yeah just eating they feel fully protected from the dark the fading light so you get in there you can play with dries my favorite's dry i love a caddis or a muckluck i believe they're called you're skating them across, creating that V pattern, just nonstop, fast little tiny strips. And when they hammer it, they hammer it. And it's just, if you, if you hook them and you don't break them off, it's, it's a good time. But then I would go in, Brett and I would have a fire, talk about the next day, kind of plan things out, calm my nerves, because I get nervous sometimes. And then uh, I'd wake up 6 a.m. the next day, get every, the boat ready, get all the rods ready, prepare the cooler, get all the coffee made, snacks done. And then I would, Brett and I would take everything to the dock. I would launch, bomb all the way down to the provincial site and pick up the clients from the launch and go out for a day. And this day happened last year. It was pretty surreal. I'd, and then go out, have a really good day with the clients, take them off, have laughs, have a great, get a good tip, just which that always adds on to the day. Go back to the dock. And as I'm pulling up to the dock, there's Brett standing there with his rods in a cooler. And says, we're going back out. You're not done yet. (laughs) So he literally jumped on the boat. We're going out there just fishing from sun up till absolute sundown with great clients. And you're one of your best friends and just landing the nicest. Those are one of the most active days I've had where you're between like rough guessing, you're 30, 40 fish consistently in the 18 to 25 inch range. And then have an evening of 25 inch plus fish to top things off on dries and on the Indies is just pretty wild. You on Carl's flats when this is happening? Just outside somewhere. <laughs> Don't give it all away, right? <laughs> yeah. Right on. Yeah, I love that lake too. That it's sounds pretty good. Is, is there something cold to drink end of the day or is it, what's in that cooler? Man, we've been on a mix this year. We've like, personally, I'm sick of beer. I like beer. I like my luckies. But I feel like it makes my face puffy the next day. Like I have a little bit of allergy to it. So I went to the seltzers, nice, light, not super bloated. So there's usually some Coors seltzers or Bud Light seltzers in there. There's definitely going to be a bottle of Gibson's. We like our whiskey. (laughs) And yeah, it's just, it's a good time. Yeah, good stuff. So somebody wants to get a hold of you and book something for the 2022 yep. or even 2023 season. What's um what's the best place to find you? How do we find uh, Interior Fly Fishing Co.? You can find us on the website at www.interiorflyfishingco.com. There's a booking link through there as well on the booking page. Or you, through our Instagram, you can click message or I believe, yeah, as it says message or book now. Yep. And you can send us an email through there or just email me at info at interiorflyfishingco.com and we can get you all sorted out. What's the best job you've ever had? Are you doing it right now between the two jobs? Uh, at this point, it's it's different because the best would be the number one my mountain bike career, traveling the world, did that for a decade, got to see places i never thought i would have and just for riding my bike in front of a camera and in a competition that was probably that was number one but fishing has always been so deep inside of me i'm way more stoked about this path that i'm on now hmm. it's, it's it's a tough one yeah because biking brought me so much joy in the early days and took me to so many different levels i never thought i would get to go to but now with knowing how i did that I can do that with fishing and I have that opportunity owning my own guiding company with Brett and we can do hosted def- destination trips. Like we have linked up to Dubli- to Belize and Costa Rica and up in Alaska and stuff. So I'm looking forward to being able to travel with my fly rod this time instead of my mountain bikes. <laughs> yeah. Fair. A lot smaller. I uh, was looking at your instagram and some of that aerial stuff you're doing tell me that's a long time ago are you still doing that stuff yeah i can i can definitely hop on the bike and go do that stuff like so right that, now if you want. that looked pretty current like i don't know <laughs> <laughs> i was like well, man you want to uh check it out how do we follow you on instagram uh you just that uh, case i believe it's casey g groves 
Yeah. Or you can just just search Casey Groves and it should come up right away. Casey, is there anything about what's going on in the fly fishing space right now that kind of irks you? Like as somebody that, you know, you see a lot of clients, you see a lot of, um, you spend a lot of time in the shop, you're on the water, uh, whenever you have a minute. Is there anything in your mind that we could be doing a little better as fly fishers? I think we're pretty good. The one thing I've noticed, kind of like with the learning curve, like especially in the last few years coming up from just being that the weekend warrior to having sponsors to being recognized and now owning a fly fishing company, I've got to see kind of differences of people and how they look on you. And it's only in a way that fly fishing can. Like I saw a similarity in mountain biking with people I know. It's just, it's more of the judgment thing. And people wonder, I guess, must play in their heads of wondering why they're, it's not happening to them or why it's happening to you. I don't know. Right. But I would say, yeah, just the side of things, if people just chill out more and, just keep focused on fishing because that's why we're all out there. We all love fishing. Don't worry about what the next doing. Just yeah, just do your own thing and things will happen. How much of a different mindset is it to being a weekend warrior to 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 getting your guiding license and getting the business and spending that time on the water and being you know somebody looks over and says oh those guys are are guiding somebody. There, there's expectation that comes with that. Is do you feel that pressure, or is it you know after uh, flying down the hill on the mountain bike and doing all kinds of trips, that's kind of just you know water off your back? It is. You definitely feel it, no matter what it is. You always feel those nerves and the pressure, and like you're getting anxiety or like oh my god, these these people are expecting fifty fish days, and it's it's super poor. It's windy. It's this. You're not seeing any bogs. Like all that factors. But with mountain biking, we're when I was competing at hundred thousand in front of hundred thousand people in a city square in uh, Nuremberg, Germany, those nerd like just every, that taught me how to deal with it. Right. So now, like when I go, yeah, I still get the same nerves and butterflies I did before dropping in front of hundred thousand people as I do picking up one guy at the fly shop to go take him up fishing for the day. But I just know how to deal with it now. Yeah, yeah, it makes it a little easier. But, yeah, no, I think I'd rather take a, a guy fishing rather than go off a 30-foot cliff. <laughs> oh, man, I love it. Well, hey, listen, thanks so much for coming on the show tonight. We've been trying to set this up for a while. I'm really grateful you took the time, and I wish you an amazing, incredible season in 2022. I know it's going to happen big for you guys. And uh, let's do another one in the future, and better yet, hopefully let's hook up out there on the, on the still. Absolutely. Thanks for can I know Brett wishes he could be here, but he's busy with normal life things too. Yeah. I feel that and it's yeah, it's been a pleasure. I wanted to, I wanted to get on with you last year super bad, but it I think it was just such a whirlwind. My head was everywhere. Yeah. I'm super glad we were able to make this happen. You've been listening tonight to a chat with Casey Groves, owner of Interior Fly Fishing Company, along with his good buddy Brett Pennington. Out of Kelowna, British Columbia, they are fishing Region 8, Region 3 waters. Look them up, interiorflyfishingcompany.com. Um, look them up on social uh, and book your trip today because uh, these guys are really know where it's at. And you got guys like Jordan, Cameron, Brendan, uh, Jason, uh, uh, Wyatt. I mean, these guys know where the fish are, so check them out. Thanks so much for joining us this time around. The Fly Fishing 97 podcast is brought to you by theflycrate.com. Thank you for listening to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. Your feedback matters. Let us know if there's a person or topic you'd like discussed. Email us at mark at flyfishing97.com. Until next time, tight lines and we'll see you on the water. Mm-hmm.